welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. Gentlemen, say hello. Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Joel Bickford, Deacon of Worship. Kevin Kenora, Biblical Counselor. All right, we are currently in a little bit of a series studying and talking about uh, Donald Whitney, Whitney, is it Donald Whitney's book? Whitney. Donald Whitney's book, The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. There you go. The Spiritual Disciplines <laughs> of the Christian Life. And we kind of gave an introduction last week. Today, we're going to be talking about Bible intake. And I know we've been talking for the last several weeks about studying the Bible and reading the Bible. But when you, when you read the Bible, when you study the Bible, this spiritual discipline is top of the list. Mm -hmm. It's talked about uh, more often than probably any of the other disciplines. It's more important than any of the other disciplines. And so we're going to do another podcast on it. We're going to work our way through this book chapter by chapter. And so that's what we want to talk about. Now, in, in this book, Whitney does combine in one chapter, he talks about devotional reading and he talks about studying scripture. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Kevin, if I, if I were to ask you, like, why should I study scripture? I know that's a big question, but how, as a biblical counselor, how would you respond? Yeah. I mean, first of all, we're commanded to, right? We're, we're commanded to um, understand the precepts of the law. We're commanded to know the word, right? Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 talks about how scripture is breathed out by God, how it's mm -hmm. profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for the building up of godliness. Um, we know that the word, right? It's it's the word of God that comes from Christ, right? So it it's spiritual food, right? It, it feeds our souls. And so if we're not engaging in the word, and sorry, I'm, I'm going to backtrack even. I think when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and Satan was, hey, you know, turn this bread or turn the stone into a bread. He said, hey, you know, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the yeah. Father, right? Yeah. And he's quoting Deuteronomy there, yes. where God had fed the Israelites manna, which literally the word manna in Hebrew means, what is it? <laughs> That's what it means. So he, he was feeding them supernatural food mm -hmm. from heaven for 40 years. And then when he's meditating on it, when he's talking to them about it, he's saying, he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father. Mm. And he's telling them that the spiritual food that I actually fed you with, that men actually sustain, men and women sustain their life with, it isn't physical food. Mm -hmm. What's going to sustain you in good seasons and bad seasons and the ups and downs is the word of God. Yeah. That is your spiritual food yes. mm -hmm. that puts spiritual meat yeah. on your bones. Yes. So get off the appetizers, people. You gotta <laughs> get on the meat. Yeah. Main <clears throat> course here. Well, when you another thing I would say is Psalm 119.11 was one of the first verses that I ever memorized that my youth pastor had me memorize. And it says, I've stored up your word in my heart mm. that I might not sin against you. Yeah. So God's word, as we study it, as we memorize it, as we meditate on it, it has an expulsive power that it's, it, do you know we're all born, this, I've been meditating on this lately, we're all born with bad taste. Like, oh, yeah. like just straight up, we're born with bad taste. Absolutely. You talking like what, clothing? You talking no, about no, I mean taste food. buds? I mean okay. food. We're all born right. with bad taste. Mm -hmm. When you give a child the option 
if you put a filet mignon prepared by the world's best chef yeah. in front of that child mm-hmm. and you put a Snickers bar, yeah. what will they choose? They're going to choose a Snicker. Snickers bar. T- <laughs> the kids are going to say, it takes too long to chew. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I've just been med- meditating on this. We're born with bad taste. Yeah. And we have to be discipled into good having good taste. Now, yeah. I think that is true for food. I actually think it's for everything. Yeah. My kid, no, everyone. When you do you prefer a Marvel movie or Schindler's List? Right. Right? Saving Private Ryan. Mm. Right. A Marvel movie is a Snickers bar. For mm. sure. Okay. Schindler's List is something akin to that steak or the Godfather or mm-hmm. so, something. It's got depth of character. It's got depth of, I mean, it's got all co- the, the markings of all the good stories, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And we're born ignorant. We're born literally, and when, when we're spiritually born, we're born spiritually ignorant and we're born spiritual children and we're born with bad taste. Yes. That means most Christian children and most Christian converts their their taste but their taste buds have not been acclimated to quality meals. Yeah. We prefer cheesy music, we prefer cheesy stories. Yeah. We prefer snacks, Snickers bars when it comes to the word of God. Just give me a few really uplifting verses, that's all I really care about. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And we have to train our spiritual taste buds to the word of God. Yeah. What that means is when God says something is good, it's good. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you don't like it, then you have bad taste. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay? That, in one sense, that's what we're trying to do with the spiritual disciplines yeah. is we're trying to refine your taste buds. That's good. Mm. So the world tastes like the trash that it is, mm. and God tastes like the filet mignon or whatever it thing. is. Preach that, that thing. Preach that thing. I it love is. it. That That's it is. Um, like, yeah, kids love mac and cheese, right? Kids love mac and cheese. And, and as you're an adult, mac and cheese still tastes okay. Yeah. Like if you get some of that good stuff at the restaurant. Right, there's that, levels to mac and cheese. No, yeah, yeah. Like a homemade grandma <laughs> mac and cheese but, yeah. fire. But, it, but hopefully <laughs> if, if you're a little more mature with your palate, that mac and cheese becomes a side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not the main dish. Mm-hmm. Like give me that steak, but I'll take a little bit of that mac and cheese. That, yep. that's, that's good too. Mm-hmm. And so the word of God is meant to refine our palate, to shape our t- spiritual taste buds so God tastes as beautiful and as glorious and as good as he really is. Yeah. And the world tastes like the sand and the gravel and the sugar yeah. that it is. And I think like as we kind of move through that's this good. podcast, I, th- I mean, I think that's all great. And it seemed like that's a whole sermon right there by itself. Um, but what's the why behind the culture and the people going to the snacks and the appetizers compared to the main dish? The why is we were born sick. Yeah. We were born with bad taste. That's mm-hmm. the why. Like, you should be concerned if you're, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a woman and you're looking for a man and his diet is nothing but Totino's pizzas and mac and cheese, you should be concerned. Hey, listen, when my wife found me, 
that was my diet. She was concerned. She was probably concerned. <laughs> a little and, Debbie. And she's like, why do you eat this? And I'm like, it's all that I can afford. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but my taste, you know, whatever. But we're born with bad taste. Mm-hmm. We're born immature. And so good taste needs to be developed. Now, mm-hmm. this is in all things. All things are true about this. Yeah. When you get in, I'm into bourbon, I'm into cigars, I'm into coffee. Mm-hmm. When you get into any of these things, everything tastes the same. I started with you with Jim Bean. Yeah. <laughs> Jack and Honey. Give me honey some Jack. Jack and Honey and Jack, yeah. yeah. Now yeah. my palate has matured a little bit. That's right. That's right. So, but you get into these things, and, and usually your palate in our day and age, it's so acclimated to sweetness mm-hmm. and yeah. to sugar mm-hmm. and to high fructose corn syrup that we were raised on Cap'n Crunch and Fruity Pebbles and the one common ingredient in all those is high fructose corn syrup. Tiger. (laughs) That is what we're accustomed to. But then when you... And listen, when I got into coffee, when I got into coffee, I actually got into deeply sugary sweet drinks from Starbucks. And I thought I was getting into coffee and getting... But as you, you... pursue it and you get into it then you you actually start moving away from like a lot of the man-made sugary type stuff and you start getting into the coffee bean as a fruit and, mm-hmm. and the coffee all by itself and your palate matures so and Folgers isn't good then. oh bro <laughs> so now you're losing me bring me back to how this relates to the scriptures so yeah we- because the scriptures are the filet mignon. Yeah. They take chewing. Mm-hmm. They, you need a knife to cut them up sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're, are, they're dense, right? They're weighty. Mm-hmm. They're valuable. And they take focus and they take work. Yeah. They take work. Now, if you get into a guy who likes smoking meat, smoking meat is some of the best yeah. meat on the planet. Yeah. But it takes hours, days. Mm-hmm. They, they're marinating that sucker. They're mm-hmm. rubbing that sucker. They're spending hundreds of dollars on the meat and on all the stuff. And when you come over and you snag it, my kid's like, you know, and then they just dump a bunch of barbecue sauce on it. I'm like, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. But it takes work to get that type of yeah. delicious meal mm-hmm. out of it, right? And the word of God is like that. And many times when we bite into the word of God, at first, it tastes like black coffee. Mm. Okay. At first, it tastes like straight whiskey. It, and we're, whoa, whoa, that's too much for me. And we can wrongly assume there's something wrong with the word. Mm. It's not good. Yeah, it's man. not for me. Sure. Instead of saying, no, there's something wrong with me. Yeah, that's good. Like <laughs> we, all, we would all do well to say, just be honest and say, I have bad taste in coffee. Like, I'm sorry, but if you're buying Frappuccinos, you're not into coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not into coffee. You, you don't have good taste when it comes to coffee. That's If you want a Frappuccino now and then, that's fine. If you want to live on that, that's fine. But it's just not good coffee, sure. right? It, it's sugary sweet drink, but it's basically a Whitey's shake in a cup, sure. right? We need to say, with all things, God sets the standard, mm. Psalm 119 says, 119.68, you are good and do good. Mm-hmm. Teach me your statutes. In yep. other words, God's standard reveals to us what is good, yep. what is good taste. Yeah. 
how we dress, how we think, how we behave, anything in life, whether it's a good movie, whether it's a good book, whether it's good music, the, the question is, does it align with God's thoughts? Mm. Would God say that was good? If I say something is good that God says is bad, I have bad taste. Mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So why do we constantly come to the Word of God over and over and over? One reason we constantly come to the Word of God is to develop good taste. Yeah. When it come, And we could, you could call that a Christian worldview, but I like how somehow we got on this, this idea of taste. Well, yeah. what does Jesus say? Or what does God say? Taste and see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the Lord is good. Yes. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, if I take a bite of the Lord and I'm like, ugh, then there's something wrong with me. Yeah. I'm like the two-year-old who takes a bite of that filet mignon prepared by the world's best chef and goes, oh, yeah. no, it's ucky. I'd rather have goldfish crackers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also the, the tasting and seeing or the, the analogy we're working out, it puts, it, it puts the scripture of... The scriptures give us everything that we need for life and godliness yes. into a different perspective too. So, so there's some things that I could think that I need <laughs> that I don't need because actually the scriptures don't speak to, or they not that they don't speak to it, but they don't commend that thing or they don't say that that that, that thing is good. Um, yeah, that's that's helpful. That's helpful, man. Yeah, or it's the exact opposite. I think I need it, and the scriptures say you don't need it, yes. and that's actually bad for you. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. right. It's good. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm reminded now of John chapter four that I'm preaching on this week. This will come out later. So you guys have already heard the sermon if you listen to him. Where the disciples go in town to buy food and they come back knowing Jesus was hungry or Jesus should be hungry. And Jesus is ministering to the woman at the well. And they say, Jesus, eat, man. What are you doing? You need to eat. And he says, oh, no, I have food you don't know, you don't know about. And they're like, I love it. They're like, uh, did someone give him a snack? I think <laughs> he's probably gone? thinking, like, is this a parable again? Like, what, it definitely was. <laughs> it's a metaphor for sure. You know? And he says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So what Jesus is saying is here is, I'm feasting on something, but it's the word of God. Mm. It's the will of God. And it's funny how he says it here because he's like, my food is to do the will of God. In in other words, we're commanded all through scripture to taste and see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeremiah says, take this word and eat it, right? Your word is like honey, over and over and over. But the goal isn't just to eat the word. The goal is to do the will of God, to do the work of God that he's prepared for us. But we can't do the will of God and do the work unless we've tasted and seen that he's good and we, we're, we're eating the word of God so that we have the worldview and the taste, right? The, the, the godly taste, the godly yeah. taste buds yeah. that we actually know what he wants us to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In order for Jesus to do the will of God, he has to know the will of God. Yeah. How do you know the will of God? The scriptures. Yeah. And there's there's probably a principle here of, um, man, if you're starving, right? If you're starving in the desert, it's hard to go and do something, right? It's hard hard to walk, hard to move, these kinds of things. And so feasting, feasting on the word of God also nourishes you, 
right? It, it fills you up. It strengthens you so that you can do the will of God. Yes. And you don't have Jesus at the well. And then she says, you know, she says something. He's like, oh, hold on, hold on. I think there's probably a Bible verse about that. Let me look that up for you. <laughs> let let yeah. me look it up. Let me look it up. Let me Google it real quick. Yeah. Yeah. He has it memorized. It's who he is. It's who he is. His yeah. taste buds have been shaped by the word of God. So when the moment happens, he knows how to react and play with scripture in yeah. a way of, oh, you want water? Mm. I can give you living water. Yeah. Bing. That's pulling from the Old Testament. Yeah. He's speaking about eternal life. She's, oh, and you talking about Jacob's well? He's, he's, his taste buds have been refined in such a way that he knows, oh, in this moment, I actually don't need water right now. Yeah. I actually don't need food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I'm tired. But what I really want to do, what I'm built for in this moment, isn't the lazy boy, isn't to take a nap. Now's not the time to push back. Now's the time to push into mission. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. And when the disciples say, what are you talking about? Jesus says, in, a, in, a, in essence, you need to have the eyes of a missionary. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about your food. You're thinking about drink. You're thinking about why am I talking to this woman? Here, let me, let me show you something, guys. The fields are white mm. with harvest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In other words, his imagination has been sh so shaped by scripture. His taste has been so shaped by scripture. He knows in this moment, the will of God is to save this woman and all her freaking friends. Yep. All her friends. So, a counselor, no offense, Kevin. That's all good. In this moment would probably go, Jesus, you've had a long day. You probably need to rest. <laughs> you, probably need, you probably need to eat and drink and take a nap. It's been a long, hard day. And Jesus is like, well, there is time for that. Sabbath is a great principle. Rest is a good principle. But in this moment... It's harvest time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you're a farmer, you know you don't take many naps during harvest season. Right. Spring, summer, winter, or winter, you know, okay, yeah, fine. But when it comes time for harvest, you have to get out in the field before the things rot. So you have to seize the moment. You have to take this moment. This woman is here. You have to seize this moment. You have to share the gospel with her, change her life. She's going to go back into town. She shares the gospel with all her people that know her. And, and she was hated and despised, remember? So she shares the gospel and then they all come out. What does that mean? More work for Jesus yeah. on, a on a difficult, hard day mm -hmm. yeah. that he's already walked all this way. and was More work. Now, all these people bring their problems, bring their issues to mm -hmm. Jesus and Jesus meets them where they're at. So you can't have like this Christianity. Man, I'm just going off this, this metaphor. It, it's, it's developing a taste. We talked about it before. It's learning the rules so that you know when you can break them. Sure. If the rules become the point... Hold on. What do you mean by breaking? So like the principle of work and rest, right? That principle is a good principle that you should generally follow, but there's going to be seasons like harvest season that you break them. So what you're saying right now is breaking commandments. No, that's not what I'm saying is breaking commandments. I'm saying you know the, the heart of the rule, you know the, you know the, so it's like when the, a Pharisee would look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you're breaking commandments. You're breaking these rules of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. When they're walking through the field and they pick some heart, uh, pick some wheat and they put it in their hand and they eat it, Pharisee said, you're breaking commandments. Mm -hmm. When Jesus healed people on the Sabbath, 
They said, Jesus, you're breaking commandments mm -hmm. because he was working on the Sabbath, mm -hmm. right? So it looked like he was breaking commandments, but in act, what he was actually doing was fulfilling the Sabbath and delivering someone, healing someone, restoring someone's body or soul on the Sabbath, mm -hmm. okay? So Jesus knew the rules well enough to know if he was really breaking them or when it only looked like he was breaking them. Mm -hmm. And so right now in this moment, we all have physical rules. We have to eat. We have to eat, we have to drink, or we die. Yeah, That's yeah. a rule. Yeah. Yeah. But you can bend those rules. Mm -hmm. You are, you know, you can bend those rules. Oh, yeah. And you can do a whole lot more than you think you can with a little bit of water and a little bit of food. Mm -hmm. You can work for days with, with hardly <laughs> yeah. any of that, right? Yeah. And so there's times where you got to break those rules. Jesus here, hard day's work, put it already put it in. He could have chose some scriptures and been like, you know, it's my time to relax now. So, But instead, he sees the mission in front of him and he knows the will of God is to save this woman. And saving this woman is more important than me taking a nap or eating or drinking. Right. So what you're saying, like, I, I feel like for a lot of people, they may be like, oh, breaking the rules, breaking commandments, that's crazy. We should never do that because... It's God's command. Um, but for you, what you're saying is more of a, a heart posture, right? So he, he knew he could have went on about his business and, and not saved or have not did some of the things that he did during the time of Sabbath, but he did them in a loving way of caring for someone else over his self. Well, yes, but that's not necessarily what I was saying. That is true, but that's not what I'm saying. This wasn't the Sabbath. When I said breaking rules, I was referring back to our previous podcast where I talked about that the artist has to learn their scales and learn the rules of music. Mm -hmm. And then once they learn the rules so well, then they can break them. I okay. wasn't speaking about commandments. Okay. There's rules that go with our body. That's good. Most of the time we need eight hours of sleep and we can only work so, you know. But once you know the rules, occasionally you can break them. Yeah. If you do it occasionally, you can run on four, four or five hours sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do that you can miss a meal or two and you can still function, you mm -hmm. know? And so that's what I meant. Jesus knew the rules and so he could break them. There are times where Jesus went out on the water and he was exhausted and he got away from people. But he knew the rules of his soul well enough to know and the rules of God's heart and what scripture yeah. say that in this moment, he knew now the right thing to do is to press into ministry, to press into this difficulty to do the hard thing of being involved in people even when I'm exhausted. Okay. Right? And like there's so many people out there right now talking about, you know, creating space and creating margin in your life and you can create such a soft schedule that you just never get anything done and you never let people interrupt your plan or your perfect day or your happy place or whatever it is because you're so focused on getting in the right frame of mind or getting into the flow state or doing whatever all the gurus are saying to do today. And Jesus just straight up let people inconvenience him mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. for the sake of the mission of God. Yeah. And he, he, but the point is he wouldn't know that now is harvest time if he wasn't deeply shaped by the scriptures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is verse, so talking about John four here is verse four, I'm sorry, chapter 4, 27. So he said, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. Mm. That would be maybe an example of the disciples having bad taste or taste that's developed merely off of their culture. So they come back like, 
forget anything else that's going on. He's talking to a woman. Yeah. yeah. And Jesus is like, yeah, uh, because he has, like, like you're saying, he's, he knows the mission of God, the heart of God. He has that developed taste to know, mm-hmm. ah, this is, a, this is a moment right here. Yeah. There are some ancient Jewish um, scholars that have commentaries on the scriptures that, that during this time, day and age, the Pharisees, they had rules that an upright, godly, righteous man could not speak to another woman in public, not even his wife. Mm. He wasn't even meant to speak to his wife in public. Wow, that's wild. That they were, um, they, they were. I mean, at this time and age, the Pharisees were misogynistic. Mm-hmm. They saw women as less than. And that's not shaped from the Old Testament. That, that was shaped from their own human traditions. So when the disciples come back and see him speaking to a woman and a Samaritan woman at that, yeah. they have bad taste. Yeah. They have bad taste. Their taste is not shaped by the word of God. You could go back in the Old Testament. You could, I mean, when, when, when Matthew writes his uh, genealogy of Jesus, he includes Rahab. He includes yeah. prostitutes. He mm. includes di- di- yeah. you know, women that did some shady stuff, mm-hmm. you know, did some shady stuff. That, that, but they, so our taste in regards to everything must align with the word of God. So if you come to the word of God and in the old Testament and you see God saying, destroy all those people and you go, yeah, I can't believe he would do that. Now it's okay to go, Whoa, what is going on here? This is confusing. I don't understand this. I better, I better study this to find out what's really going on because I know God is good and loving and righteous. That's one thing. But if you go, oh, what a monster. Mm. You have bad taste. Yeah. What God says is good is good because God is good all the time. Yeah. And so why do we study scripture? Why do we read scripture? Because our taste buds for everything in life must come in line with God's. Yep. So does your taste in music reflect God's taste in music? Mm. Does your f- taste in movies reflect God's taste in movies? Mm-hmm. Think about it. what do we go back to the stories? How does God tell a story? Look at Saul. Look at David. Look at Rahab. Look at Ruth and Naomi. Look at Abraham. Look at all these. Th- God put all these things in His book. God put all these things in His story. Can you say they're good? Now, obviously, some things are there, and they're not meant to be good. They're meant to tell us what not to do, but that's the way God tells stories, right? Mm-hmm. So, the Word of God is meant to shape our taste buds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I'm trying to do is, as a father is shape my kids' taste buds yeah. because they have bad taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have terrible taste in music. They have terrible taste in movies. They want simple. Mm. You use the great exa- example. When you said, I don't want that steak, I have to chew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had to do a little work. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time, they want to watch a movie or a show that they don't have to chew. Yeah, it's the it's a Wall-E dinner. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the movie Wall-E where they just <laughs> yes. kind of plug themselves up to the machine and they just got yep. a little everything they can do, everything they eat they can drink through a straw. Yeah, that's what ninety nine percent of the movies and the books that are put out today. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. They're drinking a meal through a straw, and you're getting the you know, the nutritional equivalent of a Starbucks cup. Mm. 
or of, of, of a slurp or Starbucks Slurpee or whatever, yeah. a Starbucks yeah. Frappuccino. Ba- huh? That's basically what you're getting. Yeah. But that will keep you forever immature. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it will eventually keep you from enjoying the magnificence of the bounty that God lays out before us. Yeah. yeah. Right? And malnourished. Right? You'll, and you'll be malnourished. Yeah, that's good. You'll be malnourished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I've, I've had... Um, I've had... This was years ago, so it's not a current counseling situation or anything, but I can think of an individual who grew up this way, right? On basically a diet of sugar um, in, in all of their intake. And so anytime you'd ask them a question, like as simple as, I don't know, normal, I I think things that the four of us would normally ask somebody um, just hanging out, like, you know, what do you want out of life? Or or who, who do you turn to for, you know, what we'd consider basic questions. This person would get like, visibly upset and it was like, well, why, why would you ask me that? Because they had lived their life on a diet of sugar. They had been formed by this diet of sugar. And so they, they didn't have the capacity. So their taste was so bad that they, in, in one sense, refused to eat anything of substance. Mm-hmm. Mm. <clears throat> I think that's, that's a good point. I think it's one of the prevailing issues of our day is you can run off of straight carbs, but you just need more and more and more and more mm. and more and constant. And if it's if it's social media, you just got to keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. If it's that adrenaline, you're running off of adrenaline. You're running off of um, whatever. What's that chemical in your brain that that dopamine? That dopamine. dopamine. You're yeah. running off dopamine. You just need more intense. And this is what you see, like in in surface level churches where they need they need all this creativity they need yeah. fast song smoke lights mm-hmm. double bass drum take it up another key mm-hmm. they need all of this emotional stuff you feed people on a diet of that they never mature and they need more and more and more I'm a junkie you literally yeah. become a junkie you yeah. become a worship junkie you know, where you need to go now, I need to go find Hillsong, I need to go find Bethel, I need to go find anybody that's gonna give me what I need. And you're basically getting the equivalent to what you get at a rock show, yeah. mm-hmm. at oh, a yeah. Taylor Swift concert. You're not you're getting fluff. Mm-hmm. You're not getting substance. Mm-hmm. And eventually you're what happens when you eat sugar? You crash. Yeah. So I think when you look at that, a lot of churches kind of love that because they come to the service, right? They have a lot of people that just come to the service, but they're not actually mature Christians and they're not actually making disciples that make disciples. Um, So what is it and how can we love our people well to be able to get them off the sugar slowly into a good diet of great meat and great... That's a great question. And it's also one of the reasons why Sacred City hasn't grown as fast as we could have. Yeah. And here's why. My goal is to serve up steak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my goal. Mm-hmm. My goal is to ser- serve up a well-balanced, hearty meal of the word of God. Okay. But when people come, their palate 
wants sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their palate wants a frappuccino. Mm-hmm. I know that. I try to sprinkle in a little bit, a, yeah. a little bit. But my goal isn't, my number one goal on Sunday morning is not to feed the immature. Mm-hmm. My goal is not to feed those who are on a diet. <laughs> I get it. Starbucks, you swing through the drive-thru, it takes you six minutes, you got your thing, you're gone. That ain't me. Yeah. We're sitting down for a meal that's going to take an hour, the better part of an hour, and I want to enjoy it, and I want to chew it, and I want to get as much out of it as I possibly can, and I want to make it, I want it to stick to your bones when you leave. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. Now, I know I grew a fast-growing, big ministry serving up mainly sugary sweets. Little so Debbie's. I I know how to <laughs> little Debbie's. I know how to do it. I know how to do it. And but but that's a challenge. The challenge is our cult that's what our culture wants. Mm-hmm. And many churches then lower their standard to meet the culture where they're mm-hmm. at. And the problem is if you do that you never get out of it. Right. And what happens what I've seen happen in my lifetime is people come to faith at those churches and they get saved at those churches and they last for a few years and they either leave the faith or they move on to a church that's actually uh, dishing up stakes yeah. where they can get discipled and they can get more. Yeah. So, you know, and maybe that's the plan in, in God's plan is to raise up churches like that just so people come and they start, they get in the faith at a sugary sweet level, but then they move on to get to get the depth. So mm. at Sacred City, we're, 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 we're depth. That's what we want. Yep. We want steak. We want to serve up good, hearty, um, you know, meals every single week. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you can do if you're coming in and you know, man, I like sugary sweet, is you need the discipline of sitting there, listening, and asking the Lord to refine my taste buds. Yep. Make me, like David, crave your word. Mm-hmm. Make me like David want to meditate on your word in the mm-hmm. watches of the night. Make me want to enjoy your word more than I just want a sugary hit in this moment to make me feel good about myself. So I think it's asking the Lord to refine our refine our taste buds. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Definitely. All right. Well, that took a turn I didn't wasn't expecting. <laughs> God's good. <laughs> you guys got anything else? Any other thoughts? Well, I just think I think there's this question from Donald Whitney that I think is a good evaluating question. I'm just sitting here thinking about it. It says if if your growth and godliness were linked to the quality of your Bible intake, what would be the result? Whew. I feel like that's a really challenging question to to ponder, you know, yep. at this moment, <clears throat> if this is all I was eating, what would be my health? Mm-hmm. What would be my state? You know, mm-hmm. where would my, uh, yeah. If your Bible be? intake is equivalent to your diet, yeah, your, you know, your diet is connected to your overall health. Yeah. So if you are living on a diet of little Debbie's, you are not healthy. Yeah. <clears throat> you are on the pro you are on the path to becoming unhealthy. It might not be catching up to you yet, but diabetes is on its way. It's knocking at your door. It's coming. Don't be surprised when it catches you at age 30 or 40. Uh, So if your spiritual health 
is determined by your Bible intake. What does that say about you? Mm-hmm. Are you, are your spiritual health? Is it one verse a day? Is it the only time you read the Bible or hear the Bible is on Sunday morning? Basically, then you're eating one time a week. Yeah. What kind of spiritual growth can you expect if you eat one time a week? Mm-hmm. If a person ate one meal a week, how much physical growth should they expect? Precious little. Uh, well, none. They would be going in negative. Yeah, They'd be sure. in negative for sure. <clears throat> so, so if you find yourself anxious, if you find yourself depressed, if you find yourself struggling and you can't figure out how to sustain your life and if you're going to make it, check your biblical diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people even, I mean, they say I'm too busy. I got a lot going on. Um, there was someone I was talking with. They, they actually took the time throughout their lunch break. Um, they have a 30-minute lunch break, and they have two 10-minute breaks. And they're spending time instead of just watching TV on their break in the break room um, and just hanging out and actually spending time in God's Word. So when people actually see them throughout the, the time on break, they're studying. It's like, oh, what you reading about? on their break. I mean, when they go back to work, it's just a great conversation for, for people to be able to actually check in to see what you're reading, but also be able to share the gospel. So I'm also thinking about, as you're talking about this, this diet and good taste. So recently you, uh, staff or something, we went out for, we went to duck city. That was my first time ever going to duck city. If anybody's ever been to duck city, I mean, I've been to fancy restaurants, but so I sit down at the table and I'm like, all right, like, I don't need, did I see a menu or the menu didn't have prices? So I instantly knew like, that means it's out of my price range. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't want to go there. Right. So it's like I, and I reckon I could pronounce or recognize maybe two things on the menu immediately. So I, I, I already knew I'm out of my range, but it was just a slow recognition of, I bet I don't have good enough taste for this essentially. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, the guy, like the owner, I think, parades you up to the front and he kind of starts explaining the things that are in the in the window and the meals that they're And it's like, wow, he's kind of like wetting your appetite for it, explaining it. And then at the end of the day, I'm kind of like, I'm still just going to go with the thing that sounds the most familiar to me, but still going to be amazing. So I think there's that's a decent example of like just being able to admit I probably have bad taste. I'm probably going to have a little bit better taste after this because I'm going to experience that and having the humility to say it. But also I think the analogy breaks down a little bit because I don't have the cash flow to be able to go to duck city every single day, Mm. but I do have like Christ offers his word to me freely, which is the word of life itself. Mm -hmm. And I can get, I can develop that taste for free every single day and go to the scriptures and, and, and admit like I I need my taste to be developed to this, but it don't, it don't cost me a thing other than my dis- the discipline That's of it. doing it, you know. That's it. Yeah, it does. The cost is yeah. discipline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The cost is discipline. Yeah. If you don't go, if you don't do it, if you mm-hmm. don't belly up to the table, yeah. if you don't bust the Bible out, <clears throat> you, you won't develop the taste. Yeah. yeah. So the cost is discipline. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I enjoyed that. Yes. Hopefully you did too. If you guys have questions, please email me, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless.